0: We are in 2 Chronicles 27 to begin with. In the nation of Judah, that is the southern kingdom of God's people, they had 20 kings over their history and one queen during that time. The whole span of the life of the nation of Judah was somewhere in the realm of 350 years or so. Of those 20 kings, all but eight of them were disasters, Uh, A number of them were just as wicked as could be. The queen was a woman named Athaliah. Her mom and dad were Ahab and Jezebel from the northern kingdom of Israel. So sort of lets you know her background just a little bit. Of those eight kings that the Bible would describe as godly, one of the common statements is they walked in the ways of their father David, the man after God's own heart. Of those eight godly kings, the Bible has much to say. There are names like Hezekiah. Jehoshaphat, and so forth, of which there are many, many chapters of scripture that contain the stories of those particular kings. They were, they were men, sometimes they came to the throne when the nation was in a dark place, but these were men of, of spiritual depth, they were men of, of great bravery, and they had the courage to stand up against the culture of their day, and God used them to turn their nation back to God. And again, some of them, their exploits are almost legendary. And between First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, men like Hezekiah, men like Jehoshaphat, those two in particular, many many chapters written about them. But there's one king, the one that we read about tonight, named Jotham, who gets an, gets an entire mention of sixteen verses between uh, 1 Kings chapter 15 and, I'm sorry, 2 Kings chapter 15 and 2 Chronicles chapter 27. He ascended the throne at the age of 25. By the age of 41, he had passed away. Of this, this man, Jotham, who began fairly young as a king, there is not one negative thing that is said about him. Um notice if you would please in verse 2 and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Uzziah did howbeit he entered not into the temple of the Lord you say wait a minute he didn't go to the temple how can you say he was a godly king well you got to know who Uzziah was Uzziah started out as a great king he also went by the name of Asa and God blessed this man. God used him. Uh, Uzziah reigned over Judah about the time that the prophet Isaiah had his ministry going. Um, and God blessed him. And we read a little bit about him in chapter 26. Uh, the Bible says uh, in verse 15, the last part of that verse, His name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Uzziah was blessed and used by God in great ways, but when he was strong and established, that old thing called pride crept into Uzziah. The Bible says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. He overstepped his bounds. In the temple in Jerusalem, only a priest from the Jewish tribe of Levi was allowed to serve in the temple. Uzziah was of the tribe of Judah, the wrong tribe. So he, when he walked in to offer incense, he was stepping into a place that he was not allowed to be according to the commandments of the word of God. When Azariah the priest saw that he was in there, he came with another group of people and said, uh, Your Majesty, you should not be in here. And Uzziah got very, very angry at him. And God had to smite Uzziah with leprosy. And he lived as a leper for the rest of his life. When it says of Jotham that, uh, howbeit he entered not into the temple of the Lord, what that means is he didn't make the same mistake his dad did. He was a wise young man who learned from his father's mistake and never repeated. So that is not a criticism of this this man, Jotham. During his reign of of some 16 years or so, He he beautified and strengthened the temple of the Lord. Uh, In key places around Judah, in the mountains and forests, he built fortifications and cities to protect the land from outside invasion and so forth. God gave him victory over the enemies. Uh, One in particular were the Ammonites. And for many, many years, the Ammonites paid huge tribute and taxes to the nation of Judah, thus enriching the nation uh, and so forth. This young man, Jotham, was a great king. We don't know much about him beyond this. He's not a familiar name, again, like Hezekiah or David or Solomon. But in 16 verses, we read, we read that he was really a quiet but remarkable king. The Bible tells us why that was so. It had nothing to do with which tribe he came from. It had nothing to do with who his father was. It had nothing to do with his talents or his abilities. Look at verse number six. The Bible says, so Jotham became mighty. What's the next word, church? Because here is the reason. He became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord is God. I have that underlined and highlighted in my Bible Jotham became a mighty king in the eyes of the Lord because of this one reason he prepared his way before the Lord is God. Keep your place here for a moment. Turn back a few chapters to 2 Chronicles chapter 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 12. This deals with one of Jotham's great, 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 great something grandfathers, a man by the name of Rehoboam. Rehoboam's dad was one of the most famous people in the Bible. His his dad was King Solomon. The Bible says of Solomon that he was endued with wisdom from God above any of the kings that were before or after him. There was nobody like him in Solomon's reign, he brought Israel to the largest borders that the nation of Israel has ever had in all of their history. Solomon became so wealthy that the Bible said silver was just considered like a stone. Uh, Gold was what everybody had in their pockets. He built uh, roads and palaces. Uh, He had some forty thousand horses in his stables scattered all around Uh, Solomon was so famous that the Bible says other kings from around the world came to see him to get counsel on how to be a good king that was Rehoboam's father now we know in the end of his years Solomon did not stay right with God his big mistake of, of everything was marrying multiple wives, but they were, as far as we know, they were all heathen women. There's no record in the Bible that Solomon ever married a Jewish girl. They were probably political alliances, but they were women who worshipped false pagan gods and goddesses. And we read in, in chapters like 1 Kings 11 and so forth that they turned his heart away from God. But as Rehoboam grew up, his dad still had the hand of God on him. His dad did not start really drifting, the Bible says, until he was old. Not only that, Rehoboam had an entire book of the Bible written to him. I mean, written personally to him. Anybody know what that book was? Is. The book of Proverbs. We know that was written by Solomon. It declares that in chapter one. And over and over again in Proverbs, you will hear Solomon say, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. My son, if thou wilt incline thine ear unto my words. And over and over again, Solomon addresses my son, and that would be Rehoboam in the book of Proverbs. Now, we know Proverbs is for us too, by extension, but realize this, um, God blessed this young man Rehoboam with a dad and his grandfather was King David and he had an entire book of the Bible that was dedicated to him, but Rehoboam wrecked the kingdom. He wrecked the kingdom within about a week, in in about a week. Uh, The Bible says on his coronation day, The people gathered in the plains of Shechem and there they were gonna anoint him as the king and the people with their spokesman, a man named Jeroboam came and said, look, your majesty, when your father was king, Um, He taxed us like crazy. I mean, we like the roads and we we like the security and the palaces and all that. But uh, man, we're the ones that had to build those things. And and he made us work hard and and our taxes were high and all of those things. And and we need a break. Anybody ever feel like saying that today? Could you just lower gas prices a little bit? You know, something like that. It was a reasonable request. Ray first answer seemed pretty good. He said, give me three days to think about it, and I will come back to you. So during that time, he went to his father's advisors, the men who, for however long Solomon reigned, had had been there with him. They'd seen his wisdom. Rehoboam said, here's what they're asking. What should I tell them? Those men said, speak to them kindly. And they're they're actually bringing up a good point. And and of course, I'm paraphrasing at this point here. They, They said, lower their taxes, make their burdens lighter. You speak kindly to them and they will be loyal to you for your entire reign. You'll win their hearts over because they will know that you care about them. Somehow that didn't settle real well with Rehoboam. The Bible says he turned away from his father's counselors, who'd helped Solomon run this vast empire. And he went over to the guys that he grew up with, guys that had never run a popsicle stand. Part of the reason popsicles hadn't been invented yet, but they'd never run anything. They'd never built anything. And uh, said, fellas, what do you think I should do? The old fellas told me to give in to their commands and, and his young, stupid companions said, man, you don't want to do that. Uh, You don't want them to think you're some kind of a pushover. You need to go out and you need to speak roughly to them and said, you think my father was tough. You have not yet met tough until you met me. And the Bible says that Rehoboam rejected the counsel of the older men, embraced the counsel of the younger men. And he went back and he spoke roughly to them. And Jeroboam, he spoke for 10 of the tribes and he said, You know, we don't have to follow you. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go start our own country. And they took 10 of the tribes and started the northern kingdom of Israel. And Rehoboam was left with two tribes down in the south that became called Judah. That was on his first week on the job. Think about that. Um, Rehoboam was a disaster as a king. The Bible tells us why. If you're in Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter number 12. Look at verse 14. And he, that's Rehoboam, did what? He did evil. Next word, church. Because here's the whole reason. Because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. So on one hand, you've got Jotham over here who God only speaks of him in 16 verses, but everything God says is good. He was a good king. He was a godly king, and the Bible says that Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord. You have his predecessor, one of his great, great, great something grandfathers who destroyed the kingdom within a week of becoming king, and the Bible says he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Do you see a correlation going on here? That word preparation is important. I, I spoke to Pastor Wilson. Um, I I think it was uh, yesterday or maybe it was Friday for for quite some time. And uh, I'm headed out to Missouri in in a few weeks down the road. And I'm going to preach for Brother Wilson for several days. He asked me if I'd uh, go ahead and make my own plane reservations and so forth. And so he he told me where to fly into, which airline was the best uh, to use in that airport. And so I spent some time and got everything together now. Uh, there's going to come a day that on a, um, a Saturday morning, uh, I'm going to go up to Bradley and I'm going to check in and go through all of that. And I'm going to get on a, a plane with Southwest Airlines. The last thing that I want to hear when I get on there is <coughs> this is your captain speaking. Do you ever notice that most of the time the captain sounds like Charlie Brown's school teacher? Walk a walk a walk, 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 walk. Uh, the last thing I wanna hear is, hey, I've never flown a plane before. I just always thought it'd be really cool to do that. And uh, Southwest just decided to let me have a whirl at it. I, you know, I've been driving my dad's car since I was 16. I think I can handle it. You have a good day. Would you stay on that plane? No, we're automatically assuming that the man or the woman or the people in that cockpit that are gonna fly that plane have spent a lot of hours preparing for the job. Am I correct on that? How many have had surgery in the past, somewhere along the line? Sadly, I've had too many of them. Um, Usually in the operating room, my experience is is I, I meet the whole team, the nurses, the anesthesiologists I've already met, uh, 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 the surgeon, any assistance he's he or she's got with him in there. The last thing that I want to hear from the surgeon is for him to pick up a scalpel and look at somebody. Is, is this the cuddy thing that I'm supposed to use? That's not really what I hear. I'm assuming that he spent you know uh, you know at least fifty years in med school. I want to know that he's prepared for the job. I want you to understand that the preparation for both Rehoboam and, and Jotham all revolved around, did they prepare their heart, the Bible says, to seek the Lord? Did they prepare their heart to seek the Lord? That phrase is made of others about them. Uh, keep your Bibles in Second Chronicles and look at chapter 30. Second Chronicles chapter 30. This is that King, Je- uh, King Hezekiah uh, that we mentioned. Hezekiah was going to have a Passover celebration. It dawned on him that it had been neglected for years and years and years. So they hastily sent messengers out through all of the kingdom of Judah to bring the people together to observe the Passover. Um, it was done so quickly uh, that in many ways there, there wasn't a lot of time for these people uh, to, to go through the ritual cleansings and purification process that they should have. Look in verse, uh, if you would please, verse 17. 2 Chronicles 30, verse 17. For there were many in the congregation that were not sanctified. Therefore, the Levites had the charge of killing the Passovers for everyone that was not clean to sanctify them unto the Lord. For a multitude of the people, even many of Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar and Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves, yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardoneth everyone that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. Now, it was done in such haste, these people came from afar, they hadn't had time to go through every part of the Mosaic law preparing for the Passover. Hezekiah prayed for them. Again, notice that prayer. The good Lord pardon everyone that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers. He prepared his heart to seek the Lord. Therefore, that's why he became mighty. He did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. So what does it mean to prepare our heart to seek God? What does that mean? Um, I I could take you tonight to the book of Ezra, I could take you to 1 Chronicles, I could take you to a number of places in the Bible where this phrase comes up to us about people who prepared their heart to seek God. Sadly, I think far too many Christians are sort of just coasting through the Christian life. Or we're just sort of walking blindly, hoping we're going to find our way. And accidentally, somehow along the line, we're going to, things are going to turn out for us. And we're going to have a close walk to God. We're, we're going to have a good marriage. We're going to raise godly children. We're going to have a strong, vib, vibrant ministry. And we think it's just all about guesswork and trial and error and so forth. It really comes down to preparation. Again, you wouldn't fly in a plane with a pilot who's not prepared. You would not allow yourself to go into surgery uh, under the knife of a surgeon who is not properly prepared. The question is, do we even know what it means to prepare our heart to seek the Lord? If we don't even know what it is, how can we follow in the footsteps of a Jotham or a Hezekiah or an Ezra or a Jehoshaphat of whom similar statements made? If we're not careful, will more than likely follow in the steps of a Rehoboam. Maybe our intentions are fine. We don't know what Rehoboam's thought life and intentions were in all of that. I don't think he meant to destroy his kingdom. I don't think he meant to cause a civil war, but he did it anyhow. And the Bible says the reason was because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. What does it mean to prepare to seek the Lord? There's several things that come to mind to me. Number one, we'll we'll speak of Jotham now. We'll go back to tw- uh chapter 27 that 1 verse 6. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord is God. Number 1, to prepare our ways before the Lord, he planned to seek God. He planned it. He set out to seek the Lord. In in other words, if you will, he purpose that he was going to do. He did it on purpose. We don't become a good Christian. We don't build a good marriage. We don't raise a godly family by accident. We don't do it by accident any more than somebody climbs Mount Everest by accident. You do that on purpose. Somewhere along the line, Jotham planned to do this. He he resolved within his heart, I'm going to seek God. Maybe he looked at what happened to his dad and he saw how a a godly king that was so greatly blessed got lifted up and destroyed by pride and there was something in in Jotham that said, I don't want to make that same mistake. And so at some point in his life, he said, I'm going to seek God. I'm not worried about what anybody else is going to do. I'm going to seek God. Look at verse number two again, the last part. The Bible says, and the people did yet corruptly. You know what this means? Jotham was in the minority. Jotham wasn't going along with the crowd, Jotham was swimming upstream against the crowd. Everybody else is doing wrong, but here's a young man that said, I don't really care what everybody else is doing. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to make God my focus. I'm going to make pleasing God the most important part of my life. If you want to come along and you want to join me in that, that is fine. But if you will, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. It all starts with that decision. I'm, I'm planning, I'm resolving in my heart that I am gonna seek God. And by the way, the idea of seeking God was not testing the wind to see which way it was blowing. That's what Rehoboam did. I'm, I'm gonna see who comes back with the answer that I like the most. Jothan didn't do that. He said, I'm gonna seek the Lord and he did it on purpose. Trina and I did not have the privilege of being raised in Christian homes. I got saved as a teenager. She was a bus kid from the time that she was four years of age. Um, Our homes were vastly different, but they were unsaved homes. Mine was a bit more stable. Uh, Trina's father was an alcoholic. Uh, He was into drugs. He was in a Hell's Angels type motorcycle gang that was very big in the Dayton, Ohio area. Um, I was around him sadly enough. Uh, where I saw him when he was drunk, he was what would would be referred to as a mean drunk. Trina's mother went to heaven a couple weeks ago. The celebration of life for her was yesterday. Um, I'm guessing that when Mary passed away, she didn't weigh 80 pounds. She's had COPD for a number of years. But in all the years that I knew her, and my wife said that that was just the way she always was, 93 pounds was her average weight. She was a small lady. Trina told me stories of her dad coming home blind, drunk, and her and her little brother Jimmy, who's five years younger than her, running out of the house, running two blocks down the street to their grandparents' home. And the last thing she saw on the way out the door was her father throwing her mother against a wall. That's what she grew up with. I didn't grow up with that kind of violence in my home, but it was an unsaved home. So as we got saved and we're becoming high schoolers, dating is becoming a thing. We get into college and so forth. And we realized that somewhere along the line, we're hoping that we we were going to find a partner for life. God would lead us to someone and He led us to each other, for which I am going to be eternally thankful for. But the reality was, we entered into marriage with no idea what a Christian home was supposed to look like. I saw how my dad treated my mom most of the time, and it wasn't good. He didn't beat her, didn't throw her against the wall, uh, but he was a a verbally abusive guy. Um, I, I didn't know what a Christian husband looked like. Trina's family never went to church. The first time they went to church with her was for our wedding. Next time they went to church was for Tim's kindergarten graduation. And over the years, the only time they went to church was for one of our kids' graduations or one of our children's weddings. Um, n- neither of us had it, but my wife told me this. When she was in high school and dating was becoming a, a reality for her and she realized that someday... One of these guys that she was dating was going to end up being her hubby. She made a decision. She said, my children, my children are never going to live through what I did. She said, I am, I am bound and determined that when I get married, if God blesses us with children, my children will never see what I saw. She resolved in her heart that she was going to be a godly wife and that she was gonna pray over that man that she was gonna come down the aisle and join up with at that altar, that that was gonna be God's will and God's plan for her life and she wasn't taking anything less than that. See, she, she planned it on purpose. When God blessed us with children, Trina also determined the same thing. Neither one of us knew how to raise Christian kids. Trina said, I'm going to do it differently. I want to do it right. It all started with a single decision. In life, everything starts with that. It ought to be the same of our Christian life. We ought not just be kind of walking around oblivious to everything going around and you know, if, if God does something wonderful, oh, well, that was pretty cool. There ought to be something beating in the heart of every single one of us that says, I wanna live for God. I wanna know God. I wanna be the man or the woman that God wants me to be. I wanna be the teenager that God wants me to be and apply that truth to every single area of life. Um, He prepared his ways before the Lord, and that's why he became mighty, and it all started with a decision. He planned on purpose, I'm gonna seek God with my life. Number two, not only did he plan to seek the Lord, doing it on purpose, he purposed to seek the Lord. You say, isn't that the same thing? Not at all. There's such a thing as making a resolution There's another thing called resolve. They're they're two different things. A resolution is what we do on New Year's Eve and say, in the new year, I'm going to do this or I'm going to stop doing that. That is a resolution. Resolve is on January January 1st, you put that resolution into practice and you keep it up every single day. I remember my first New Year's at the Edge Fitness Club. I've been training with Sam for a while, and I walked in one day, and I I knew something was different because the parking lot was filled from one end to the other. They have three handicapped parking spaces out in front of the gym, three. By the way, if you're not handicapped, do not park there. I will come after you. It just don't do it, don't do it. But they had three. They were they were all taken. I'm one of those guys that looks and see. Do they have a tag hanging in the window? I'm, okay, I'll let them go. I had to park all the way over by McDonald's in the winter with the snow. Uh, I'm still learning how to walk on this thing. And I'm trudging over there. What in the world's going on? I walked into the gym. Every machine was taken. Every bench was taken. Uh, The area called the turf was just, uh, I mean, just loaded. There were people I'd never seen before. They were all over the place. And it was a Monday. So I was going to be working with Sam in an area called the cage. So I was still going to have the bench and the machines and all that. And I asked Sam, I said, what in the world is going on? He goes, "Um, uh, these are the resolutioners. That's the first time I heard the term. He said, yeah, these are the resolutioners. They all decided this is the year I'm gonna get in shape. This is the year I'm gonna lose weight and all that kind of stuff. I said, this is nuts. There's no room to work out anywhere. He goes, chill, just relax. February 1st, almost all of them will be gone. And sure enough, by February 1st, you could walk in at any time you wanted and I could get my parking place right up close to the door. You could get any machine, any bench that you wanted because you see, they planned to work out. They planned to get in shape. They planned to get healthier, to lose weight, but they didn't have the resolve on the inside to follow through. See, Jotham didn't just make a decision. Yeah, I want to seek the Lord and then just get distracted and move on. He had a resolve that said, I decided that I'm gonna follow the Lord. I'm gonna seek God's will, God's plan, God's ways for my life. He prepared his ways before the Lord. He planned it, then he purposed it. It was Jacob who was wrestling with the Lord one night. He was at a crossroads. His brother was coming to kill him. He was wrestling with the Lord in the middle of, uh, of the night. And as the, the, the morning began to the, the dawn, the Lord said to him, he said, uh, it's time to go. Let me go. And Jacob responded, said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. See, Jacob had that resolve. In his heart, I'm hanging on, I need God's blessing, my family's at stake, my life is at stake, the promises of God are at stake, I need God more than I've ever needed God and I'm not letting him go until I get his blessing. We are so easily dissuaded from doing what we ought to do. We're so easily talked out of doing right. We're so easily drawn aside to things that aren't important or that are contrary to the word and the will of God. Jotham never allowed that. He didn't just make the plan and resolve on, I'm going to follow the Lord. He resolved in his heart, if you will, by the grace of God, I'm going to stay faithful. I'm I'm going to need God every step of this journey, and I'm not letting go of God. Many of us start out well. Over the years of being in the ministry, 43 years now, I've seen a lot of people start out. Um, Human beings, we're great at starting. We're not real good at following through. It's just kind of the, the way we are. How many of us have unfinished projects sitting around the house? And now conviction just settled over the. I wasn't asking for a show of hands, but thanks for telling us about it. How many of the rest of us feel a lot better about ourselves now? Because we're not alone in that. Um, we all have those things. We're we're great at starting, and starting is important, but it's not enough. It's absolutely not enough. There's got to be that follow through, that resolve. And and uh, Jotham had that. He planned to seek the Lord. That's part of his preparation. He made that resolution. Then he purposed it. The best of plans are of little value unless there is a resolve to stay at. It's called determination. I I told you about Trina's decision as a teenage girl. My children will not live in the kind of home that I grew up in. Do you realize, though, that's all she knew. It had been very easy to slip back into that It'd been very easy, but if you knew Trina, you knew that her children were the number one priority after her walk with God and her marriage. Um, Trina's children were everything to her. She was burdened about them, and she was constantly studying and learning. As our children grew older in each stage of life, she would go to people that had raised successful children, that had raised godly children, and she would say, what did you do when your child was in seventh grade? How did you handle it when they became a senior in high school? As, as each one of them began to get married, she talked to people and say, okay, your, your kids got married. How do I do this mother-in-law thing and, 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 and still be the mother even Though that they're under someone else's leadership or something like that. She never, ever stopped in, in that quest to be the right kind of godly mom, the right kind of godly wife. She never, she didn't just make a decision and just think, well, I made the decision or all turn out right. She knew it doesn't work that way. Our Christian life needs to have the same kind of resolve. I'm going to walk with God. Sounds good, but you and I both know it's a whole lot harder than that. We've got our own flesh fighting against it. We've got the world fighting against it. We've got the devil fighting against us. You're going to have to have more than just a decision. You're going to have to have a resolve in your heart that says, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. There's a third thing that is a part of Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord. He planned it. He purposed that he was going to keep that plan And number three, he prioritized seeking God. He prioritized it. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 in verse 33, but seek ye first what? The kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto thee. What things? Clothing, food, shelter. All the things that we need to survive in life Jesus said, don't go living for them. You put God first, and God will make sure that you have everything else that you need. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Turn, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. In verse number 5. I know we know the verses. We could quote them, maybe even sing them. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Verse 6 is where I want to draw your attention. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Consider... Our guy Rehoboam over here, he's first day on the job. Jeroboam and all the people of of Israel come to him with their request. If you read through the scriptures, you will never see one time where Rehoboam said, Lord, what should I do? Now, we did see him asking the wiser, older men that served with his father, and that was a good thing. That was the only good, smart thing that he did. But you still don't see him saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I, I've got this challenge, this decision that i got to make. I don't, I don't want to mess this up on, on my first day. Lord, what do you want me to do? It, it just never came. But it was Solomon, his dad, that wrote to him in Proverbs chapter 3, Son, in all of your ways, acknowledge God. Every decision that you've got to make, Lord, what should I do? Wow, no, I think I can handle this one. No, in all thy ways acknowledge him. Even if you think you know the answer and even if you find out later that what you thought was right, acknowledge him. God, what do you want me to do? And God will show you. God will show you through the clarity of the word of God. God will never lead you to date an unsafe person. God will never lead you to go get a job as a bartender or a drug dealer. Those things are clearly in the Word of God. He's not going to tell you to do that. God's not going to lead you and guide you to run with the wrong crowd. Uh, God's always going to lead you in a way that lines up with the Word of God. But there are other things in life such as, of all the Christian young ladies in the world, who should I marry? Well, I never found a verse that said, Her name shall be called Trina. It wasn't there, but I had a lot of parameters in God's word. She needs to be saved and she needs to love the Lord and she needs to have a good testimony. And She needs to have a heart for God. Um, pretty wasn't really at the top of my list, but I ain't gonna lie, it was on my list. I don't want ugly kids. I still don't know what happened with him, but I don't want ugly kids. Um, in all those ways, they acknowledge him. You see, I believe if we want to know God's plan for life, he'll show us. If we're honest about it, he'll show us. And that's what Jotham was. Rehoboam didn't really want to know what God had to say. Rehoboam just wanted to start off showing everybody. That's why he gravitated to the counsel of his young men, because they all thought alike. Jotham, he really wanted God. He saw what happened when his dad turned his back on God. He saw his dad living in a little house on the back of the palace grounds as a leper. Leprosy was a disease in those days in Jewish culture. Um, Jotham never got to be in the same room with his dad again after he was smitten with leprosy. He never got to hug his dad. He never got to sit down and share a meal with his dad. His dad lived as an outcast in this little house. Servants probably brought the food to the door and then ran off as quickly as they could. Uzziah lived in utter isolation on the palace grounds, and Jotham said, I don't want to end up like that. I don't want to end up like that. The Bible says he became a mighty king. The Bible has not one negative word to say about Jotham, and it says, here's why, because he prepared his ways before the Lord. He prioritized God. He said, my dad forgot that God's in charge. My dad got the idea that he could do what he wanted because he was a king and he had been so blessed. He said, I don't want that mistake. Lord, you got to show me how to do this. I've never been king before. I've never run a nation before. And I certainly don't want to mess it up like great-grandpa Rehoboam did. I don't want to mess up my life like... My dad did and our family suffered because of that. He prioritized God. God wasn't an afterthought. God wasn't well, I tried everything else and I guess I might as well see what God wants. God was first. Let me find out what God says and I'll do it. It wasn't, I'll try God's way as long as it makes sense to me. God's way doesn't always make sense. Not in the eyes of this world and not to us. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It might sound right to me, but I'm not God. I need the guidance of somebody who's a whole lot smarter than I am. Jotham became mighty, the Bible says, because he prepared his ways to seek the Lord his God. David said in Psalm 63, one, early will I seek thee. In closing tonight, let me just say this. No one serves God by accident. No no one has a vibrant, close walk with God by accident. No one builds a strong, godly marriage by accident. Nobody raises godly kids by accident. It happens on purpose. And beloved, do we not need God now more than we ever had? When I was growing up, we had three channels, ABC, CBS, and NBC, and then PBS came along. When I was growing up, they, they actually had censors watching everything, and if, if it was deemed inappropriate any way, they would make them delete the scene or delete the entire episode. I grew up on Leave it to Beaver. Wally and the Beeve had an alligator. How many remember that episode? What was his name? Mr. Something It's going to haunt me all night long. I'm going to text you all in the middle of the night I remember the alligator's name. They were trying to hide it from their parents. And so uh, they, they, what's that? Did you figure it out? No, they're just talking in church again. I started such a bad habit with you guys this morning. I'm sorry. Um, uh, They're trying to hide this alligator from their parents. So in one scene, it was in their their bathroom in their 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 bedroom they had it in the tub there and um when the camera when they were filming the scene they got just a little bit of the commode in the frame in the shot did you know the sensors made them delete that shot they said it's inappropriate to show that on tv where are those sensors now that's all they want to show and then some Life has changed. You young couples are raising children in a world that I never imagined and my parents never imagined would ever exist. Do you not need God? Do do you not need his help? or, or, Or are you just gonna wing it? There's too much at stake to wing it with your children, with your marriage, with your walk with God, keeping your purity, keeping your testimony right, There needs to be some people that says, I'm going to learn from the mistakes of a Rehoboam and not go that route. But I'm going to follow in the footsteps of a guy named Jotham of whom only 16 verses of the Bible are about him. But he became mighty because he prepared his way to seek the Lord. In whose footsteps are we going to choose to follow? Can we pray together? Father, thank you for the Bible.